Well, welcome. This is uh, our International Women's Day Chapel today. And this is actually a, a first for us, as far as I can see in Asbury's history, that we've lifted up this particular day that's celebrated around the world to celebrate women's voices. Um, it, it's a first for us, and at the same time, it feels entirely appropriate and native to who we are as an Asbury community. Asbury is a community that celebrates women's voices in the proclamation of the gospel in the same way that our Lord listened to and lifted up the voices of women around him. Um, thankfully, we have come a long way since the first century and the culture that he walked the earth in. But at the same time, we know that women's voices aren't always heard or welcomed around the world and even in the culture that we experience here. So hearing and celebrating God's proclamation of the kingdom um, through the voices of women it's really not just something for women to think about. It, it takes all of us in the kingdom to lift up women so that the proclamation of the kingdom of God can be heard through 100% of the people um, created by God, blessed by God, and called by God. Um, it's also true that Wilmore is an international community, and it seems to me in watching us that we are at our best when that shines through in everything that we do. Um, people have observed when they talk about this tiny town in Kentucky that the world comes to Wilmore. And then we are sent out to the world. I had this experience in my first, even my first week here, two and a half years ago, back here at the seminary, when my daughter's very first friend was from China. And during the back porch art festivities in Callis Village, Kate and Maria found one another very quickly and began playing in the sandbox together. And they were, they were playing happily, so we didn't interrupt them. And so I didn't figure out until later that they actually had no common language to speak to one another. And it didn't matter at all. They were enjoying one another and the image of God and the playfulness of God in one another without a word. We want to worship today in a way that proclaims with um, the scripture that Lindsay read so beautifully for us, that sons and daughters will prophesy and to say, Lord, yes, this is a sign of your kingdom already here among us and also not yet. To ask how we can be part of this kingdom seed that is planted and dies in humility and is raised to glory, lifting up the voice of the Lord. Um, when we looked at today's date, I, I was actually scheduled to preach, and I like to preach. I like to talk, and I like for people to listen. You're a great captive audience. Um, and I, I thought about words for a sermon and a proclamation of God's word in which I could proclaim what it meant to me through God's word to lift up International Women's Day. And then I also realized that any privilege or position that I have ever had um, was given to me by people who stepped aside and offered me a pulpit. Um, and I've always been grateful for that. Uh, before I was ever equipped or ready, people often said, why don't you speak to that? So I thought about today and I thought about what an incarnational community we are and who could embody this for us through their own stories. And I mentioned that to you, um, it's, a, it's a danger to my humility, of course, to say that I'm, you know, proclaiming that I'm doing that, stepping aside. 
But I mention it to you specifically because I want to say to you that you will be in pulpits and positions where sometimes the best thing that you can do to speak God's word is to ask who else can speak it and whose voice might not be heard unless you give them your place to speak it. So today we are gonna welcome three particular women whose voices have lifted up the gospel both in their own native cultures and their own native languages and those who have also proclaimed and ministered all of them cross-culturally in powerful ways. Um, sometimes when, when students come to Asbury, I wonder, when I meet them and hear the breadth of their experience, I wonder, are we educating them or are they educating us? And that is true of all three of these women. And so today we celebrate their testimonies, their witness, and acknowledge that they are an education for us. So we'll welcome Becky Flores, Josephine Liu, and Velma Tim, um, and say to God be the glory in their witness and their lives. Becky, I wanna invite you to begin. Good morning. I'll just preface by saying that I preach at a Hispanic ministry setting and it's not this quiet usually. <laughs> so please join in with me here. I'm humbled and honored to share part of my story with you today. My testimony is how I went from feeling powerless and inadequate to being empowered by God to respond to him. Prior to coming to seminary, I was on the path to educational leadership and I was being mentored to become a school principal. And in this context, God called me, inviting me to serve him through pastoral ministry. Well, he had already called me, but I just had not responded. I felt like I could not respond. After all, what could I possibly offer or contribute to the kingdom of God? But God was patient with me and he waited for me to respond. And as I began to reflect on the call I was sensing from him, I started to see that he had been calling me all along and preparing me for this next thing in my life. I recalled a strong sense of justice and love for God and the church that developed at a very, very early age in my life. I don't take this gift for granted and I attribute it to my grandparents' own example of faithful Christian witness. Through them, I learned that to love the church, to love God, also meant to love his church. But even though I come from a family who has several pastors, many people in ministry and church leaders, I wasn't too sure if I, as a woman, could truly embrace God's call. Was there really room for me in a pastoral role? There have been many things that have helped me grow into feeling like I could respond to God's call in my life, that I could somehow be used for God's kingdom purposes. One of those things has been through women who have mentored me, both directly and indirectly. These strong, devoted women were the ones who asked me questions like, have you ever thought of speaking in a formal setting? Or said things like, hmm, you should take that idea and develop it into a retreat for young women. Or, hey, come join me in this meeting. I'd like for you to share with others about your experience in ministry. It was through their hospitality and through their willingness to share their space and themselves with me that I began to feel like I could respond to God's call and say yes. Never underestimate the power of women empowering other women to respond to God. In the past four years, I have learned many things, 
Some lessons have been more difficult than others, but one of the places that God has helped me to grow into my calling has been at my church. I did not plan to be this engaged in ministry during my time in seminary. In fact, I thought I would come and relax and just learn. And without looking for it, there was this opportunity, this huge opportunity for me to serve in this Hispanic ministry context. I had no idea what that meant because that's the only context I know. I am the pastor to a small, beloved group of Christ followers. They are mostly all Hispanic and of Latino background, and the majority are people who live their lives in the shadow of society, primarily because of immigration-related issues, especially in the recent months. Many times I have felt more than inadequate to lead, and I have felt nearly broken in my spirit as I have listened to their stories of hopeless situations knowing that their situations may never change. Other times I have felt overwhelmed by the demands of my various roles of wife, mother, pastor, student, mother, mother. And at times, these responsibilities have seemed almost impossible to meet. I mean, I really mean that. We can talk if you're struggling with that. But God has always gently reminded me of this. Just love sincerely and serve well. God has used those women who have invested time in me in the past as they have shared their stories of brokenness and success, both in ministry and in their personal lives. And this has empowered me today, right now, to do ministry and walk into my own call. And I have also felt the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in my own life. And God has shown me that as he has empowered me, I should empower others. The sense of justice that I had at three years old has never gone away, and it fuels me with a desire to make the gospel accessible to those for whom it is the least accessible. Oftentimes, for me, this has meant translating worship liturgy into Spanish. Oh my goodness. Because there really isn't much out there. Sometimes it has meant being willing to disciple an 80-year-old woman, nearly illiterate, who has never had the chance to go to school. And with tears in her eyes, she comes and she tells me, Gracias, pastora. Thank you, pastor. I never got to go to school past second grade. And now that I am learning from the Bible and that you're teaching me, it's as if I'm going to school for the very first time. And it has also meant going and visiting with a family who doesn't get to attend worship regularly because two out of three children have a severe physical limitation. And there's no way that they could ever afford a handicap accessible vehicle, which makes transportation anywhere a real challenge. So what do we do? We go to them and we have a worship service in their home. I am thankful for all the ways I have felt inadequate or not enough even in this moment, because God has used this to keep my eyes on Jesus. God has taken all of those feelings and replaced them with a confidence that comes from him. Confidence that he is the one leading me and he is the one who is with me. So much so that I can be a voice for the voiceless. I can empower others by sharing the hope of the gospel with them. And I can do all this just as I am. If you feel inadequate or not equipped, instead of taking that feeling and masking it, 
Allow the Holy Spirit to journey with you and empower you as you respond and say yes. God can empower you to do ministry right now. I'm thankful for the privilege to go to school and learn in my growing up years. But there was a time in my life when I came into contact with some women who did not have the opportunity. After serving in the mission field um, for the past um, for 13 years together with my husband, we were sent to a seminary back home in Singapore uh, to serve among students. I was tasked to mentor a group of wives of seminary students from several countries like Cambodia, Mongolia, and others from East Asia. When I visited these women at their homes, um, I began to enter into their world and listen to their stories. Um, when they were in, with their husband in their mission field, they were taking care of the children at home most of the time. When they got to the seminary in Singapore, their husband were working on their assignments, attend classes all day and all week. So they were found, they found themselves back home looking after their children and chores all day long. But deep in their hearts, they long to be equipped in the word of God. They long to be equipped in the life skills, ministry skills, before returning back to the mission field. And they were, long, they were lonely, they were um, many times um, looking for people whom they can share with. So my heart was grieved to see these women not having the time to learn, not given the formative space to grow, and not empowered to use their gifts. So two other mentors and I tried so hard to gather these women to come to the campus and to learn together. But the odds were against us. We did not have the financial resources to arrange for babysitting on a regular basis so that the women can come down to the campus and learn. This went on for months and I was deeply burdened and was desperate for the Lord to do something. Then one day, a wife of a semin seminary faculty staff came to me and said, Joe, perhaps you are sent to the seminary for such a time like this. Perhaps it's time for you to speak up for the women. I confess that when I heard that, I wanted to run away. <laughs> but the Lord loves me and loves these women so much that he spoke to me continually. We fasted and prayed for months, but our situation did not change. But God changed my heart. I told the Lord, I'm willing. So with input from other mentors, we drafted a proposal, and I went to the academic dean of the seminary, Dr. Keith, to appeal for Monday to be set aside for these women to come down to the campus and learn. Finally, in August 2010, the principal announced that Monday would be consecrated a day of equipping for the spouses, and it would be called the Partners in Ministry Day, PIM Day. This means their husband will stay home to care for the children all day <laughs> on Monday. And this would mean no classes will be scheduled on Monday. 
Words cannot fully express the joy I had when the women came together on October 11, 2010. They were beaming with joy, smiling from year to year, ready to learn. One of them shared, I'm finally set free from wearing pajamas all day. <laughs> but more importantly, they were set free from fear and the need for control. For the first time, they realized that they could leave the children with their husband, and when they got home, the children are still alive. <laughs> and one beautiful thing that emerged from this change is to see their marriages growing stronger. Their husband, for the first time, developed new and greater compassion for their wives for carrying the children all day, all week. The children were also happy to see their daddies to spend more time with their daddies. Through it all, I learned that I do not have to raise my voice, I do not have to cleanse my feet to fight for the rights of the women, because God loves them more than I do. There is a time to be silent and be a listening presence to these women who are struggling. There is a time to go on my knees and pray for them. There is a time to gently speak up on their behalf. This formational change in this institution would not happen, and it's, it, would not be, it would not happen without the Holy Spirit's help. It did not take a person to do that. It took a woman, a wise woman, to come into my life and speak truth into my life. It took several prayer warriors to pray for breakthroughs. It took a male leader, Dr. Keith, to humbly listen to a seemingly ridiculous proposal and to respond to the Holy Spirit. Through it all, I learned that it takes the body of Christ to make space for women to learn, to grow, to use their gifts, and to be sent out to bless others. Several years have passed, and Mondays remain the day consecrated for the wives to come to seminary to learn and be discipled. It is a great joy to see multiplication effect to this institutional change. Many spouses graduated with their husbands, with the Partners in Ministry Certificate, and we sent out to the mission field and served together with their husband as a team. One of them, Lydia, returned to Cambodia and is now actively serving in the Ministry of Evangelism and Discipleship. She is currently empowering many other ladies to use their gifts to advance the kingdom. My involvement with these international ladies developed in me a greater conviction and passion to realize their identity in Christ and encourage them to use their gifts to further the kingdom. This journey continued when my family arrived in Wilmore five years ago. By the leading of the Holy Spirit, I met Jane, a young mother from East Asia, whose husband is a research fellow in the University of Kentucky. She introduced me to her neighborhood a place where foreign research students and their families live. That place became my mission field in Kentucky. One day I shared the gospel with Jane, and I was overjoyed when she heard the gospel for the first time in her life, and she received Christ into her life. Over the next two years, I discipled her in the faith. And as a young Christian, she knows clearly that she's a disciple of Christ, 
She's a minister of Christ. She's created in the image of God, and she is given gifts to edify others in the kingdom. When it was time to return to her country, she said, I came to the United States with one citizenship. I'm going home with two. I'm now the citizen of the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Indeed, not to me, not to us, but glory be to God because of his steadfast love and faithfulness. Amen. I'm going to be sharing a portion of my story while I served as a missionary in Liberia. I visited Liberia for the first time in 2006, but when I got there, the hopelessness really broke my heart. I saw people like the scripture says, they were like sheep without a shepherd. So when I got back home, I started praying and asking the Lord to send missionaries and people to help the people in Liberia. But then I felt the Lord was speaking to me, why don't you go? <laughs> so in 2008, I finally packed my bags and then made Liberia my home. When I got to Liberia, I focused on just the church that had received me, worked with the church, taught Bible studies, I'm a lady at youth ministry, taught on some Sundays, until suddenly God stepped in and then broke away my fears by saying, he called me to the streets and not to the church. Uh, I was so afraid, so I called my mentor in Cameroon, Reverend Hal Raman, and I told him what God was telling me, and I talked with one other um, minister in Liberia, I called my big brother, Reverend Augustine Dobo, and I was like, this is what God is telling me, and they were able to encourage me. And with their encouragement, I got the courage to step out, and I started preaching the gospel from house to house, street corners, markets, schools, and the results were really outstanding. One of the communities the Holy Spirit led us to preach was formerly called Muemla Community. In this community, the Holy Spirit led us to start a prayer movement. And one of the guys who were in my small group was a pastor in a church in that community. So we asked for his facility, and he gave us his facility to use for prayers. So we started a prayer movement 5 a.m. every day for more than six months. We just prayed and prayed and just prayed, asking the Lord to move and bring transformation in the community. Amazingly, we see how God transformed the community in our eyes. This community, which was noted for drugs, witchcraft, prostitution, and all sorts of wickedness, suddenly began, began to transform. One of the significant things was a man who was considered by those in the community as the biggest witch finally moved out of the community. We started seeing young girls who used sex for money, abandoned that, and turned their hearts to Christ. The rate of robbery significantly dropped, the rate of crime significantly reduced. Before I left I'm a, I'm a Liberia for Asbury, the churches in the area had come together, which was something that had not happened before. It was the first time the body of Christ in the, in the community could come together. They came together and they organized a crusade. And it was amazing to see how God could bring the body of Christ together, how transformation could come, how unity could come. And the whole community came out and lives were changed and lives were transformed. But the significant thing that happened during this crusade, is that during the crusade, the leaders of the community decided to rename the community the City of Christ. And that's the name this, the community bears today. Some of the pastors who had lived in that community and served in that community and had gone out of the community, during the crusade testified that what they were seeing was nothing short of a miracle. Presently, four people who are serving on our leadership team in the ministry in Liberia are people who were living in that community. Some are still living there. And now they are ministers of the gospel, serving and used by God to be able to lead others to Christ. 
There is still so much to be done in the city of Christ. But we know that God who has started, he's faithful to complete what he has started. This didn't come without a price. There were several nights I had to wake up at 4 a.m. because I was like 30 minutes from where I live to be able to get there on time for prayers. There was, just, there was just so much that had to come without the security purposes. Liberia is dark, we don't have light all the time, so there were times you had to, so there was just so much that came. That came. But then I also faced oppositions and challenges. And in one of the instances, I was accused by a family of one of the young girls who had been saved for depriving them from their financial support. Because their daughter, who was now a Christian, could no longer use sex and could no longer bring money into the family. In another instance, the mother, there's a mother who heard about the testimony of what God was doing in our ministry and decided to bring about her, her son, who was a 19-year-old boy on drugs, and ask us to take care of her. She just brought her away in the discipleship school and training and called me. I was like, please, I've heard what you are doing. I'm bringing my son to you. And here am I sat Saturday in the afternoon with a 19-year-old boy that had to become my son, and I didn't know what to do with him. <laughs> so even though this was like a great ministry opportunity, there were so much challenges that came with it. Because as I said, the boy was on drugs. His father had abandoned him. He had abandoned school. So we had to get him accommodation. We had to make sure he got the food he needed. We had to take care of him. He had to become our son, and we had to raise him up. And praise God that today he's done with school, he's in college, and he's living with God and working with God. Our team, I'm sorry. I also had to become, to be able to bring, I had to become a mother to so many. I brought so many into my home, even with the risks that was involved because of where they were coming from, the background they were coming from. But then I knew that would have been the only healthy environment for them to, be, to grow and let go of their past. So being a woman in ministry for me has actually been a blessing, and it was, that was a blessing in the community. Having a nurturing presence, being able to give vision and direction for those who didn't have it. Being a mother for those who have never experienced what motherhood, have never experienced a life of having a good mother in their lives. So being a woman, I think, has been an asset, and I'm so grateful to God that he called me a woman. The experience, this experience taught me that there is no community, there is no nation, there is no family. There is no situation God cannot transform. There is no sinner who is too hardened for God to save. He chooses to bring us into partnership with him. He wants to save the world, but he doesn't want to save the world alone. And he calls us to come alongside him. If we are willing to follow him into the difficult places he leads us to, if we are willing to intercede on behalf of the nations, if we are willing to make some sacrifices and let go the comfort, and dive with him into the harvest. We will see him do with us, do in us and do through us what we could have never thought or imagined. God is not a respecter of persons. No matter our age, our gender, the color of our skin, our educational level. He does with, what he does with one, he can do with all. Amen. <laughs>